Hey guys, welcome back. We are here again with the live stream. We're going to be doing this every Sunday night as long as we are locked down, as long as we have uh, the, the COVID-19 stuff going on. So continue to come back here and continue to comment. We have the live stream link out and all of that. Uh, this week I'm going to be going with week three, part three of the Always Keep Fighting series. Uh, so far I've talked uh, about anxiety and and. I know that right now that's probably something that, that everyone is struggling with, that everyone feels, not just people who traditionally struggle with it, because we see all of these conflicting reports on Facebook, and sometimes we see conflicting reports on different news stations, and it can get scary when you hear words like lockdown. But we know that, that we are going to be okay as long as you do the right thing, and as long as you pray, as long as you continue to help each other in every possible way that you can help each other. Uh, I know that it sucks, and I know that the anxiety can make it really hard to deal with everything. But what I'm going to talk about this week is, uh, I, I wanna, my message title is Always Starting Over. And so I'm going to be talking about something called PTSD. Uh, I'm gonna talk a little bit about stress and a little bit about trauma, but the term PTSD is something that we hear mostly uh, in, in military terms, because a lot of people will come back from, from a war, from a battle where they've seen horrible things, where they've uh, maybe been hurt or seen their friends get hurt or worse. And, and over time, they continue to relive those moments. They continue to feel that trauma. They continue to feel that stress. Uh, that's something that can happen to anyone, uh, not in the whole battle thing, but, but in your life. And, and so I'm going to be speaking from Job, who dealt with this intimately, but I'm also going to be talking about myself and about some other things that, that I've seen, other things that I've learned, because I think one of the things that, that people tend to do, especially with teens, is we belittle your traumas, we belittle your stresses, and it's kind of like, yeah, 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 you're a kid. Like, when you get older, you'll understand this. When you get older, it'll be different. When you get older, when you get older, when you get older. And that's something you hear a lot. You also hear the opposite sometimes. It's like, well, why don't you just grow up and act your age? Why don't you just do this? Just come on, man up, uh, woman up, deal with it, whatever you do. And it can be a very tough thing to have all of those conflicting messages, all of those things telling you, well, your trauma's not real. Uh, one of the things that, that I talked about last week with body image, with self-image, is comparison. And that kind of comes here too, because sometimes we deal with something traumatic to us, and we look at how everyone else has dealt with something similar. We look at how someone else maybe is dealing with something much worse, something much harder, and, and it can be like, well, mine's not that big a deal. Mine, mine isn't as important. And, and it's not that yours is more important or less important, it's that if something is causing you stress, if something is causing you trauma, if something is hurting you, then it's real. And so it's important to get help. It's important to ask for help. It's important to talk to other people. It's important to, to pray. It's important to understand that it is not your fault that you are feeling this way. And so I'm going to start with Job chapter 1, verses 13 through 20. One day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting at the oldest brother's house, a messenger arrived at Job's home with this news. Your oxen were plowing with the donkeys uh, feeding beside them. When the Sabaeans raided us, they stole all the animals and killed all the farmhands. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. So this is bad news. So basically Job is there with his uh, servants. He's there with his friends and he's just kind of hanging out. His wife is there. And all of a sudden this servant, this messenger comes running up to him and says, hey, uh, 
a lot of your, your livestock, a lot of your livelihood, a lot of the things that bring you money is gone. They got stolen and, and your farmhands were murdered. And so we see that. And in our context, it's a little weird because it's like, well, nobody really deals with stuff like this. But it's something that is horrible to hear, not just for, for the loss of life, which I, I would assume is at the top of his list. But this is how he would, would make his money. It's how he would support his family. It's how he would deal with things. There are absolutely people in his life probably who would come up and say, yeah, it's just animals or, or yeah, it's just the farmhands. At least your family's okay. And they would compare it like that. And that's what people do. Like I said, we kind of compare each other's traumas and we allow people to belittle our own when sometimes we take it and we belittle other people. There are going to be people who handle this whole uh, epidemic, pandemic thing very well. And you're going to be shocked at how well they handle it and how they keep a calm hand and how they keep everything. Uh, it seems like nothing really scratches them, nothing really sticks to them, that they're doing wonderful and that they're a leader and they're doing all of these things. And then they get home and they basically cry into their pillow because they're freaking out. But they can hold that in public, they can hold it in front of people. They're going to be other people who you see and it seems like they're handling it horribly, like they're upset all the time, like they're hurting. Uh, maybe you're in one of those two categories. But more than that, there are going to be people when all of this is over, and I will promise you right now that eventually all of this will be over. We'll be back to normal. You'll have to sit here in public and listen to me again. Uh, you'll have to watch out as Rob and his puppy caravan drive by on the road. You'll have to do all of these different things just like you always did. But until that day, we're going to be kind of compiling a lot of stress and a lot of trauma for people. And so after all of this is over, a lot of people are going to be able to go right back to how things were. And it's like, okay, you know, that really sucked and that was hard. And I learned some things about myself. And I learned that washing your hands is apparently good. Who knew? And I learned that if you buy a lot of toilet paper, then you can sell it on eBay for millions and millions of dollars. And, and, and you know, go ahead, you do you. And so I, I learned all of these things and I'm okay now. There are going to be people like that. But there are also going to be people who, regardless of how they handled it during this, they're going to have moments where maybe it's something like they hear somebody sneeze or a news report comes on and they're going to feel a flash of panic. Because we never really know in the moment what is going to cause trauma. And so I started with Job. This is Unfortunately, one of the easiest, thing, easiest things he faces right now. But regardless of how easy or hard it looks to the rest, anything that happens can be hard to deal with if you just put it away. You just allow people to say it doesn't matter. You allow people to say you don't matter. So I'm going to go on, and this is a bit more to read, but it's a lot happens at once for Job. While he was still speaking, another messenger arrived with this news. The fire of God has fallen from heaven and burned up your sheep and all the shepherds. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, a third messenger arrived with this news. Three bands of Chaldean raiders have stolen your camels and killed your servants. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another manager arrived with this news. Your sons and daughters were feasting in their oldest brother's home. Suddenly, a powerful wind swept up in from the wilderness and hit the house on all sides. The house collapsed, and all of your children are dead. I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. Job stood up and tore his robe in grief. Then he shaved his head and fell to the ground in worship. That is a lot at once. So like I said, after the first thing, that's a hard thing. If somebody comes to you and tells you that, that 
your pet, your, your car, those are not equal things, believe me. But something that you love, something that you care about uh, is broken, is gone. It's going to hurt you. And if more people come up while you're listening and you're trying to cope with that first grief, that first hard thing to hear, and more people come up and more people come up, and it's like, hey, yeah, by the way, everyone you knew and loved is dead. Everything that, that made your life what it is is dead. Everything that you're so used to is gone. And while it's not as severe, like I said, a lot of people are starting to face that right now. A, a lot of people are, are starting to realize that everything that, that really made their life what it was is gone. And, and I, like I said, it's for a limited time, but it's still hard to deal with. And even when you feel like you're dealing with things well, you may not be processing it the way that you should. And, and so Job hears all of these things. And he immediately falls down in grief and he falls down in worship. And it's so weird to hear, well, he worshiped? Like, what's happening? Why did he do this? Uh, it, it, it was kind of a grief worship. And I know it's not something we put together, but he was crying out to God. And we're going to see throughout this as, as he, the way that he handled, handles it, the way that he talks to his friends. And one by one, his friends start coming up to him and they have different takes on it, which, as you know, people always have a different take on what you're facing, on what you're dealing with. And so some of them would come up and be like, Job, you know, you must have been doing something wrong because for all of this to happen, it's clearly your fault. And some of them would come up and be like, man, can you believe that God did all of this to you? And some of them would come up and be like, eh, you know, it is what it is. And all of these things were people trying to put Job's problems, put Job's traumas, put Job's issues into their own box so they could understand it. Because we don't like to focus on how other people deal with things. And I don't mean that in like a negative way, like nobody cares about anybody, because we do. But we like to handle things the way that we handle them. And if that is broken up and we can't do it that way, or someone else does it differently, that can really affect us. So people had to go to Job and be like, hey, this is what is happening. Um, this is how you should deal with it. This is how you should feel. It's so hard to not say that sometimes. Uh, you'll see on TV a lot where, where it's usually in a sitcom, a comedy, where somebody like tells their wife or their husband, usually it's the wife because comedies are old school, uh, and it's like, hey, calm down. And that's a, a trigger word, for lack of a better term, because it's telling someone how to react. It's telling someone how to feel. And we almost do it on an auto drive. We tell people how to feel all the time. And then when someone tells us how to feel, it's like, well, you don't know me. You can't tell me what to do. And so that's what Job is going to be going through. But before I get to that, uh, all of these things that he faced were severe. They were traumatic. They were hard. And so everyone would immediately understand, well, yeah, this stuff actually happened. This stuff actually hurt him. He's going to be struggling with this for a while. Um, I watch a lot of TV, and that's not a weird cut. I promise I have a point, uh, especially with movie theaters closed. I watch a lot of TV. One of the shows that I like a lot is New Amsterdam. Uh, it's based on a book. I never read the book, but it's a really cool show. Uh, I don't know that it's a necessarily realistic show, but it's, in some ways it is. There's a lot of things that happen that cause you to think. And I'm not saying, hey, turn off this live stream and go watch New Amsterdam. Don't do that. Uh, they've got enough ratings. They're fine. But this past week, there was something with uh, the counselor guy, the guy who is a psych psychiatrist, psycho psychologist, not psychopsychologist, but this guy who works in the hospital who, who helps people deal with trauma, who helps people deal with things, and he's geared towards children. He's a, a child psychologist for, again, that's basically what it's called. And this girl was in there, and her parents are like, she's just been so different. Uh, she's dealt with all of these, like she, she 
isn't handling things well. And we don't even know what, like nothing has happened. And so he's talking to her and talking to her. And she's like, yeah, nothing is really different about my life. And as they go, she's like, and, and she was lying there dead. And he's like, whoa, what? And so she describes a school shooting. And he's like, he goes to her parents and he's like, you didn't tell me this. And they're like, there hasn't been a school shooting. But there was a un advertised school shooting drill in her school where the teachers and students didn't know that it was happening. Again, this is on TV, but it probably is something that happens. And because they didn't know that it was fake, because they didn't know that it wasn't, it was planned that everything was okay, they were reacting as they would in this thing, which we hope never happens. And she saw her friend who was part of it uh, apparently get gunned down and it stuck with her and even though her friend got back up and even though everybody's like hey it's okay we're all together that this was just a drill so that you would know how to deal with this if it ever happens that trauma stayed with her because when that happened even though every some of the people involved knew that it was fake she didn't her body didn't her brain didn't her heart didn't and I say that to say this, there are going to be things like what happens to Job, where awful things happen to us, and it's so hard to deal with, and everybody is understanding, and everybody knows what we're dealing with is difficult, and they try to help us with it, and they try to help us through it. There are also going to be things where they're kind of small in terms of how everybody sees them, and so when you struggle with them, they're like, you're, you're still dealing with that? Like, this happened like two years ago, and it was not a big deal. Like, come on, it's okay. Uh, I, I will be honest, like the whole PTSD thing is not necessarily something out of all of these things that I've talked about that I've faced very much. And, you know, part of that is because most of my life is kind of in quarantine because I kind of stay at home and I watch TV and play video games. But recently I got kind of a better understanding of it and not to a severe case, but just kind of a way for, for me to be like, oh, wow, so this must be a small amount of what this feels like. Um, I, if you listen to my podcast, my Stevie side quest that I'm going to be posting here and there, uh, I talked about a wreck that I recently had. And so I was driving to see Beatrice, who is my niece, and I talk about, so you know that. Um, maybe I'll have a picture of her next week, but probably not. And so uh, I was going to visit her, and also my sister and family, who I love. And so I was going to visit and it started raining really hard and to the point that like you could barely see on your out of your windshield and it started sleeting and snowing and it was insane and this is shortly after the news of like hey you know we're going to start quarantining a little more so it's kind of a crazy time anyway and so i'm driving and and i drive fairly well because I learned from Vin Diesel and I live my life a quarter mile at a time. And so I'm driving and I'm kind of sticking in the right lane. I'm kind of sticking over there and I'm still going probably 70, around 70. And this is on I-74. And this guy was kind of going in and out of traffic just really fast and not really paying attention. And when he cut over in front of me, like the splash like made it really hard. And so like I didn't know if he was still in front of me so I had to pull over to the other lane to kind of uh, not hit him. And the splash hit, and my car hydroplaned, and so I went swerving on I-74 on the interstate, and I slammed into the right metal uh, guardrail thing, and I could tell that it hurt my car, and I bounced off of that, and it hit the back, and like as I'm going towards the guardrail plane thing, all I'm thinking is, oh, my car's going to flip. Like, I'm not going to be able to make it to my sister's. This is going to suck. And I know that sounds weird to be thinking it that way, but that's exactly how I was processing it. And yet I still was trying, and I was praying, and I was trying to drive, and I 
went swerving through the lane a couple more times, both lanes of the interstate, into the median and out, and I was able to get it straightened finally and get traction again, and so I kept driving because my car kept moving and I filed a claim and all of these things. Uh, and, you know, I was upset. I talked about disappointment on the podcast. I was upset because of what it is going to cost to get fixed, uh, because of what it costs with insurance in the future and all of those things. Hopefully it's not bad. But it, it was an upsetting thing. It was a disappointing thing. Uh, but it kind of, I put it away. And I was like, well, you know, it happened. And it sucks, but people wreck. And I've had wrecks before. And, and it's hard. Well, I went this past week to see Beatrice again. Uh, and uh, on my way back, it started raining, and it wasn't like hard raining, it was just raining, and I started to tense up, and so I'm driving on 74, and, and I, I would pass a semi, and like if a raindrop from the semi, like when they splash it up, hit on my windshield, I, I was like, I would almost not freeze, but like really tense up, and I would be like, I'm, it's going to happen again, it's going to happen again, and I realized while I'm driving, this is just a small amount of what the PTSD must feel like. Now again, that's a very minor thing, and I wasn't hurt, but I'm also comparing it to other people, like I said, not to do, and so we... Often it's hard for us to understand if someone puts their life on the line in the military. We, we can't really understand what that feels like because we understand that it's heroic and we understand that, that it's different. If a, an officer or a fireman puts their life on the line every day, we understand that's traumatic, but we don't really know how to talk about it because it's like, well, I don't put my life on the line. And so again, we start to be like, well, my stuff's not as important. Uh, my, my life isn't as important. My traumas aren't as important. But that's kind of what it feels like. You almost relive it when something happens. You will have people, uh, I've known uh, people who were sexually assaulted at, at young points in their life, and then it takes years and years and years and years, sometimes decades, to be able to trust anyone again. And even then, when they've started to heal when they're counseling, if somebody says something that goes back to that, if somebody says the wrong thing, if somebody touches them, uh, you know, not even in a bad way, but just like puts their hand on their shoulder, maybe they'll freak out because they feel that moment again. And that's what Job is going through day after day after day. That's what some of us go through a lot of times because we don't feel that it's important enough to talk about. We don't feel it's important enough to share. I want to go to how Job, respond, Job responded with Job 3, 20 through 26. Oh, why give light to those in misery and life to those who are bitter? They long for death and it won't come. They search for death more eagerly than for hidden treasure. They're filled with joy when they, when they finally die and rejoice when they find the grave. Why is life given to those with no future? Uh, those God has surrounded with difficulties. I cannot eat for sighing. Uh, my groans pour out like water. What I have always feared happened to me. What I have always feared has happened to me. What I dreaded has come true. I have no peace, no quietness. I have no rest, only trouble comes. This is how he feels every day. When his friends come and talk to him, when they're being helpful, which was kind of rare, but when they're being helpful, he felt, you know, my life is over. Like I've lost everything. Uh, this goes into depression and it goes into things like that, but it's because of the trauma that he faced. It's because of everything that has affected his life. It's because of what he has seen, what he has witnessed, what he has heard, what he has lost, and he's feeling it over and over again, and he's really hurt, and there are absolutely times where someone comes to him and says, hey, get over it, and we're like, that's ridiculous. He lost his kids. Like, this is insane, but there are times where people come and say, you're not coping with this in the right way. You have to do this. You have to do that. You have to think this. You have to think that. You have to handle it this way, and Part of his process 
was being upset about it because he was saying it out loud. One of the things that we tend to do is we keep it all inside. Uh, for me, it's very hard to talk about things one-on-one. -on -one. I can apparently talk about them in front of a live camera and in front of people when I preach and stuff, but one-on-one, -on -one, it's very difficult because I feel... Uh, you know, very intimate there, and it's kind of scary because of just different things that I've faced. And so for Job, this was part of his process. Uh, one of the things when I do funerals that I, I say is, don't let anyone tell you how long you can grieve. Now, at the same time, you don't want to allow yourself to get lost in that, to get lost in the trauma, to get lost in the memories, to get lost in all of that. Uh, if every day, day after day after day, you're feeling the same way and you're saying the same thing, but you understand that you're trying to face it, that's one thing because you're like, okay, I am building this up. I'm talking to people. I'm going to go to counseling. I'm going to get help. I understand that this is a process. That's good. That's healthy. That's positive. But if every day you just go through life the same way and it's like, this sucks. Everything sucks. Nobody can help me. I'm not going to talk to anybody. Nothing's ever going to get done. Like you're never going to get better because you're not trying. And it's hard. It's so hard to take that first step. It's so hard to be willing to ask for help. It's so hard to go to a counselor. It's so hard to admit what is happening. Well, I want to go to Job. And this is where he starts to deal with it a little more, where he accepts what has happened and tries to deal with such a tough thing. Job 42, 1 through 6. I know that you can do anything and no one can stop you. You asked, uh, who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorance? It is I, and I was talking about things I knew nothing about, things far too wonderful for me. You said, listen and I will speak. I have some questions for you and you must answer them. I had only heard about you before, uh, but now I have seen you with my own eyes. I take back everything I said and I sit in dust and ashes to show my repentance. This is Job talking to God. It's him actually saying to God, I had been calling you out and saying all these things that I didn't understand. And it's not so much what he is saying, and it's not so much even how uh, God speaks back to him, although that's vital to his life and vital to our faith, but it is the fact that he is verbalizing not only what the trauma was, but how he was dealing with it. Uh, in my life, I have dealt with things well, and I've dealt with them poorly. I've dealt with things by hiding, and I've dealt with things by running away. I've dealt with things by talking to people. All of us can say each of those things. It can be so difficult to talk to your parents, to talk to a brother or sister, to talk to a, a family member, to talk to a friend even, to talk to a pastor, to talk to, to anyone because we have to go through what we faced again. We have to uh, describe what it was again. And so it's hard and it's scary. And Job dealt with that. Now, in this story, because I'm doing this in like half an hour or so, uh, I, I can make it look like this all happened over the course of a couple days for Job. Uh, I don't know exactly how long it happened, but it probably took months, maybe even years, for him to go from the devastation and the grief to actually finally starting to talk to God, to talk to his friends, to talk to his wife, to try to get help. It takes a long time. If your trauma, whatever it is, maybe it's something that you consider small, maybe uh, there was... Uh, 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 something that you faced in school. Maybe you were bullied as a kid. And for you, it's like, this really affected how I see myself. This really affected me. And maybe your friend was bullied in the same way, but they're okay with it. Uh, and so you're like, why well, should be okay with this? I'm just not going to deal with it. I'm not going to talk about it because they'll make fun of me because they think that this and they think that. That doesn't matter. Now, they may think that and people may make fun of you and that sucks and I'm sorry. But... We have to be willing to accept the truth of what we're facing, whatever it is. And if it affects you, no matter what it is, it's not too small to matter. 
Because you matter. Because your life matters. Because what you face matters. There are small things that, that affect me sometimes. Not in a trauma way, but in a hurtful way. Um, I'm very weird with my anxiety and my depression and everything. Where I will not, like sometimes I'll... Uh, be invited to do something and I say no because it's so scary and I'm like I don't I can't deal with all that those that amount of people I can't deal with all of the the emotions and the worries and everything there and there are some days I will go there are some days that I won't be invited to do something that I had no interest in doing but I'm kind of hurt that I wasn't invited and we all have things like that where it's like this is so stupid this makes no sense and when you delve into trauma when you delve into things that stress us out when you delve into things that affect you personally it can be so easy to say, well, I should have dealt with this by now. I should be okay now. Why am I not okay? Why is everyone else okay? That's not the question to ask. The question to ask is, what is the next step? What is the next step? And so you start with praying. Now, a lot of people, for a lot of different things, will say, that is where it stops too. Because you pray and it's done. That absolutely happens sometimes for people. Uh, I, it has not happened for me, and it has not happened for a lot of people that I know, but I know people who have been delivered, who have been healed, who have been uh, faced with so many different things, and, and through prayer, just once even, has helped them. But for most of us, it is the first step where we go to Him every day, and we talk about it. We're verbalizing, we're asking for help, and then we continue to seek help. We talk to someone we trust. If you're not ready to get a counselor, you can't afford a counselor, uh, you can talk to me, you can talk to, to different people. It's, it's a hard thing to find someone who will understand, but there are so many people who want to, who will listen, who will care. And I know that sometimes you feel like you're alone. You feel like there's not that group of people, but keep trying and keep looking for that and trust the people that you trust. So if someone loves you, if your parent, and I guarantee they love you, no matter how many times you argue, especially during a lockdown, they love you. They will listen, even if they don't understand, even if it's something that like their generation doesn't get, like cell phones, just joking. But if it's something that's very difficult for them to really get, and you're like, this is severe to me, if they can see that you're hurting and you're being honest and you're being clear to them, they will listen. They will help you go that next step. You cannot do it alone, but it's good because you are not alone. Because you are loved. Because this series is to tell you that it's okay. And I want to go to Job. This is how he ends, kind of. Job 42, 12 through 13. So the Lord blessed Job in the second half of his life even more than in the beginning. For now he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 teams of oxen, and 1,000 female donkeys. He also gave Job seven more sons and three more daughters. Uh, and then jumping to 16 through 17. Job lived 140 years after that living to see four generations of his children and grandchildren. Then he died, an old man who had lived a long, full life. It is easy to look at that passage and say, well, everything's okay. Like his life ended up well. Everything came back. But he still had those losses. And I don't know Job, although we went to school together. But I guarantee that at some point, even after he started talking and getting help, even after uh, he started being blessed with family, with more animals, with more camels, uh, and, and, you know, that's what all of us want. I've got a text here from Rob saying, hey, I've lost 50 of my camels and I would like 100 more. Chastity, there's the over-under, I win. And, and so it's something that can be very difficult to, to understand sometimes because it's like, well, his life's better now. He's good now. He's got all of this. But he still felt it. 
there would still be times, even during the healing, where he would maybe look at a grandchild, look at a grandson, look at his new daughter or son or whatever, and be like, I miss my, my, my children that I've lost. I miss my family. It's okay to still feel that way. If you have started counseling and you have started talking to people and you've started dealing with trauma, you've started dealing with what you're facing, you've started dealing with, with what you're going through, and then you have a day where it feels really bad again and you can't get out of bed and you remember all of the bad things again, that doesn't mean that the healing isn't working and it doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. It doesn't mean that you're worthless. It's just what happens because when you face something, it takes a long time to really deal with it. And that's why when I began this message tonight, I talked about the virus. Because for a lot of people, it's like, this is going to be over soon, we're okay. For a lot of people, when it's over, even the people that said that, even some of the people who say nothing's happening, don't look here. Even some of those people, at some point, they're going to face stress from this, trauma from this. And they're going to be tempted to say, well, I don't have a right to do this, to feel this way. Some people will say that to them. But there is no time limit on how long it takes to deal with something. There is no time limit on how long it takes to struggle through something. But you have to accept that it is a process and you have to accept that you need help. You have to accept that you are worth help because I will tell you this right now, you are worth it. I don't care what it is that you're facing that you think isn't worth it, it is to you. And if it is to you, then it is to me and it is to God. And you are worth it more than that. So. Uh, one of the things that we've started doing is we have, we've updated the app and we've updated things where you can send prayer requests. Um, I've added small group questions and things like that. And that's awesome. And I'm working on like a Zoom thing where we can kind of talk and you can see my face, although you do right now, which isn't a big prize. But you can do all of these things and we're going to help with that. But that prayer request tab on the app, you can come to me anytime and it can be anonymous or it can be your name, whatever. And, and I will pray for you. And there are people in your life who care. Whatever you face. Don't let someone say that it doesn't matter just because it doesn't match up to Job's or just because it doesn't match up to so-and-so's. Deal with it, though, because you are the only one who can ask for help. You are the only one who can take that next step. You are the only one who, who can pray for it and, and feel that prayer working and feel the help that is coming to you. So take that first step. Always keep fighting and be brave because you are worth it, I promise. Next week, we're going to talk more about depression. and We're going to end this series. And then from there, we're going to go into an Easter series. We're going to talk about the resurrection. And I know this is really weird. Uh, I love doing this, and I'm going to do this every week. Terry is here, and he's forced to listen to this multiple times, but he's here. And, and, and so we're going to keep doing this because this is important. But I want you to know that when this is over and we come back together... It is still okay to deal with things in whatever way that you want. It is still okay to take a while to process. But please, if you need help, do not be afraid to ask for it because you are worth it. And that's all I got. So that's going to be cool. Please do not let puppies be harmed in the making of this video. But that's a good idea. Uh, oh, Sin of Notary actually is the very next link. And so Terry and Chastity are going back and forth. My mother loves me. Thank you very much. Um, and that is it for that. So we might try that a little more next week where uh, I plan it out a little better. But I know that, like I said, this is a weird thing. And so some of you aren't even seeing this live. You're going to watch it later. Some of you are going to listen to the audio stream, which I will do. 